to everybody. My name is Mr. Wayne LaPointe. We're here again at the Resurrection Center. It is Wayne, I mean, it's, I'm uh, sorry. It is Wednesday, and we're here to do another powerful session with you. We're happy you're tuning in. This evening, last couple of weeks, we have discussed how to wear the armor of God. We've also talked about the keys to the armor of God, which my brother Dave did last week. This week, we're going to talk about the tactical ways to keep your faith. Now, it's good to be wearing the armor of God. We explain why. It's good to know how to use it, which is the keys. But there's a lot more to it. We all know that we live in a corrupt and evil world where Satan is doing everything in his power to harm us, steal, kill, destroy everything when it comes to us. He's a billion times more powerful than we could ever be. But I'm saying we is the flesh. But he can be defeated through Christ Jesus, who gives us strength, who has already died for our sins, was resurrected for our salvation, for those who trust and believe in him and have accepted him in their hearts with their lips that he is the Lord and Savior. But through all this, you still have to have tactics. You still have to have a strategy on how to go through life. Now, what is tactics? It's a skilled action, maneuver, or procedure that is carefully planned to gain a specific desired end or a temporary advantage. Now, you really only ever hear this word when it comes to the military because the military does everything tactically or strategically. Everything that they learn from CIA, FBI, through their own reconnaissance missions. They sit at tables, they sit around maps, depending if it's wartime or not, and they have to strategize how to overcome the enemy. In this case, our enemy is Satan. We can't see him, more times than not, we can't feel him, but we have to be honest, he's there. He's there around us at all times. So, how do we be strategic? How do we build a tactics? Well, let me give you a little testimony to help you understand it. For those who like playing chess, Risk, Monopoly, or any other game like that, even sorry, you have to have some kind of strategy. Any game you play, soccer, football, everything comes down to strategy, no matter how you look at it. I love chess, so I'm going to use chess as an example. I spent most of my young life playing chess with my brother, friends, I could never win to save my life. I couldn't, no matter how hard I tried. It took years of losing day after day, game after game, before I finally started to win. Now, through all that, it's learning. You're learning different strategies, different tactics. You're learning how other people play. The most important thing to know when it comes to developing the strategies, knowing how the other person thinks, how they act, what they think, now, we can't think what they think like Jesus does, but you can, over time, you can learn to read people a little bit. So, it took years to master, well, I don't want to master, but get as good as I am in chess. I got to high school where I was on, I was in RTC and I did a chess tournament. Nobody could beat me. I got to the point where my brother can't beat me. Even my dad struggles to beat me. 
but I still lose. Because when it comes to strategies and tactics in any kind of battlefield, you have to constantly change it up. You can't just say, I'm going to do this, this is how I'm going to win it. If you stick to that mindset in any kind of battle, you're going to lose. Because the, the, the enemy adapts. So if you can't adapt yourself, you're going to lose. So one day when I was playing chess, I was at um, a giant picnic with family, friends. There was like dozens of people there. I bought a four-way chess board. So you guys who play chess, there's four of us playing at the same time on the same board. So you sit across from each other, and two people sit across from each other. So then you go in turns. I'm the only person I know that's ever won against all three people. I actually checkmated all three people in that game. I had a strategy, had no idea how it was going to work. I never played with two before. One of them, my new friend, loves me play chess. So I was kind of nervous, but I stuck with my strategy. I had to adapt quite a bit because. When you're gonna attack on three different sides, it's not easy. So eventually, checkmate, checkmate, checkmate. So you want to play again. I'm like, cool, I'm up for it, I love chess. But I didn't expect I was gonna get a triple beat. All three of them came after me. Now I hung in there for quite a long time, constantly adapting to everything I was doing, but I still lost. It is very critically important that we keep our minds open, that we adapt to our surrounding, that we have a strategy in place to constantly go through, not life every day. We are attacked every day. We know we're going to get attacked the rest of our lives. We already know that. But it's the fact that when we wake up, we already know we're getting attacked from the moment our eyes open. And I could say to the moment our eyes close, but we all know he still tries to attack us even when we're sleeping. So we're attacked 24-7. So you have to be fully aware of that. But there is still strategies and tactics to protect yourself when you're not awake. So we're going to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read 17 through 21. Again, it's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And the word of the Lord says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another in the fear of God. So I want to give you five things to think about when it comes to strategy and tactics in the spiritual realm. Now, I'm sure there could be more than that, but God only really gave me these five. The first one we're going to talk about is worship. Verse 19 states, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody, in your heart to the Lord. So what is worship? Worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. Pastor has been speaking on Sundays about four weapons. I believe the first one was praise, if I recall. The second one was worship, and the third one was prayer. So 
if you missed that session for preaching, watch it. It was powerful. But in worship, when it comes to this, it speaks it clearly. Speak it in songs and hymns, singing, and so forth. I bring this up because worship must come from your heart. Is it easy? No. Is it desirable at times? No. Can it be painful to do some? Sometimes. Because your life is constantly changing. The word states that we have to learn how to praise and worship God at all times. It's not easy. You know, when you're going through stuff, like flesh wants to whine, wants to bicker, it wants to have a pity party. It wants to be selfish when we're going through rough times. But we have to force our flesh to bow down to the Lord and worship Him. Again, it won't be easy, but it is possible. That's all we have to remember. Jesus died for our sake for so many reasons. He never said it was going to be easy to follow Him. But He said it's going to be possible because He's going to be with us every step of the way. Now, yes, there's going to be times where it feels like He's not with us. We're going to feel times where we feel like He's not talking to us because we're all you hear or feel is silence. So you feel like you're in a spiritual desert. Even in a spiritual desert, believe it or not, he's with you. He may leave you there for a little bit. He may back up a little bit because something in that desert, he's trying to get you to learn. He needs you to learn because you don't know what's coming next. Sometimes he forces us to go through something. And if he really doesn't want to, he wants the best for us. But... In reality, we live in a broken world that's so corrupt, so evil. And I know people like to blame God for all the evil that goes in the world, but it's not God's fault, it's our fault. So what he does is, he tries to stop it by speaking to the hearts of those who are going to be evil. But he gave us free will, including the evil people. Everybody on this planet that has been born has free will to choose whether they want to do right or do wrong. So, if the person doesn't want to stop and won't repent, he will use whatever he can in those moments to propel us to our futures, to propel us whatever he has destined for us. For whatever we have to go through to use as a testimony that will save somebody else's life. Because he gives us what we can handle in any given moment. But I could go through something. My brother Radness, brother Dave, brother Chris may not be equipped to go through the same thing because God prepared me for it. He built me for it. I was destined to go through it, unfortunately. But he uses me in this one instance of them. Now, Radness has gone through many other things that I've never gone through. So there's things that he can use as a testimony or experiences to help me grow my walk. And we'll get to this piece a little later. So, it's got to come from the heart. And I'm going to use the pastor as an example. I think he spoke about this once before in a, a different session. But one day when we were at work, we used to go to the library because there's a little room we can sit down, we talk to each other, we talk about scripture, the Bible, God. Um, sometimes I would be working on the books we were writing back then, or sometimes we would just take a nap because it was quiet and we needed it. So one day 
I went to the far end of the room. I passed out. I was laying on the couch. I was out. But I also heard Pastor hum. And we all know, we've heard him talking about how he hums. Uh, a lot of people can't stand it. People make fun of him about it. But in this instance, I thought it was kind of annoying, but it was also funny. Now, I'm over here sleeping. I'm out cold. Pastor's over here sitting in a chair. He's humming away until I, I knock out. At some point or another, another gentleman walks into the room. So I kind of woke up, heard him, saw him sit down, and then I fell back asleep. About 10 minutes later, all I feel is somebody hitting my leg. So when I open my eyes, it's the gentleman. Now, would you, could you really believe that he comes over to yell at me? Want to know why he is humming as bad as he is? I'm like, are you serious? Why don't you go talk to him? It, but I didn't understand back then. It really wasn't Pastor Dad singing. It's the fact that whoever was in this gentleman couldn't stand that Pastor was singing his way to the Lord. Now, I'm not a great singer either, so I didn't want to go there with that one. But as long as we're doing whatever we're going to do, worship our Lord from our He's going to be so joyous that it's going to be like he's celebrating because nowadays people don't worship God the way we're supposed to. So when a true believer worships the Lord the way we're supposed to, I can imagine that he's celebrating because we're starting to get it. We have another one that's worshiping. So, number two, it's praise. The second strategy we can use is praise. Verse 20 states, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In everything we do, praise is just like saying, Thank you, God. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for my life. That's why Pastor stated numerous times from this altar. The first thing he does when he wakes up, he says, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me another day. Now, I may not always do it when I first get up because I'm still trying to wake up. I have to throw myself out of the bed sometimes. But when I'm mentally conscious, I thank God, or I thank the Holy Spirit for the ability to have another day. I thank God for my health. I thank God for my strength. I thank God for being able to sleep in a bed. Because how many people do I even have a bed to sleep in right now? I thank God for the clothes on my back, the food on my table, even the roof over my head. I praise God and I thank God for what he did me. I thank God for the job. Because we know there's millions of people right now. And if I recall, it is actually over 30 million people right now that do not have jobs. So if I was that selfish to go through my day and not thank God for the fact that I'm still working, especially with the ability to work in a hospital, where I can actually make a real difference in the world. You know, when I was working at my last job, I always kind of complained. I felt like I didn't really do much. I didn't matter. But when I actually had the ability to start working at a hospital and see the other side of what goes on when you're in the hospital, I started to feel like I actually had meaning in my life. And this was before I met God. So that meaning in my life actually is different than what it was 15 years ago. So I thank God that not only did I have a job, I work in an area, which is the ORs. I work with the ORs where I'm actually helping somebody regain some satisfaction in their life, meaning health issues, whether it's hip, knees, eyes, breasts, your urine, 
There's so many different topics I can go over. I have a, I, I'm a small piece of giving somebody a better life. I mean, we do eye lenses all day. We, that's giving somebody the ability to see. How can I be selfish? I have to think out of the fact that I can see when I wake up. That I can hear. That I can actually get out of bed on my own. That I don't need somebody helping me. That I don't need a piece of equipment. I can sit here all day telling you how to praise God. There's so many things, but I'm not you. I can't think of what you go through or what you don't go through. I'm not a female, so I can't say thank you for certain things that females go through that we don't, and vice versa. But praise is seriously thanking God for everything you have. And to the extent, I didn't realize I did this, but I started catching on, and I actually liked it, so I continued to do it. When I leave work, one of the first things I notice I do is I look up at the sky. And I say, God, wow, thank you for the sun. Because it shows me you're still on your phone. When I first started doing that, I started shocking. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? But I've talked in here before. I have asked God to help my prayers evolve. So even if my prayers are evolving, but the way he helps me see, see things is evolving. So now I'm starting to thank him for that much more. I love looking up in the sky. You have the sun, it gives us light, it gives us warmth, it gives us hope because it shows us that there's still time, there's still hope, there's still light. And we know Jesus is the light. I thank God for even the clouds because I don't know what it is about nature, but God has really done something with me that really draws me to nature. And I think that's my way how I get closer to God is through nature. Even with the cloud, I look up and I feel like I'm looking at a painting because the way the clouds look. And I don't look clouds the same way I used to. I can see the different variations of thickness and color and the shades. It's like, wow, God, you're so amazing to create that. Especially the sunrise or sunset. God, I can sit up there for an hour just staring at that. It's amazing. Forget rainbows. Rainbows are even more beautiful. I love the rain. I love waterfalls. I even thank God for when it rains. Like, I actually started counting all the people at work when all I hear about is complaining when it rains. So, why don't you thank God that He's actually giving them water? He's feeding the grass. He's feeding, I mean, feeding the flowers. He's feeding the trees. Well, we drink rain. Doesn't sound like we do, but think about it. Where, where's all the rain go? It ends up in sewers and Plants and somehow, some way, over time, it gets filtered into our kitchens. So we drink what He provides us. He gives nourishment to animals. Just, I'm telling you, if you really look around and you really give yourself a chance to see through God's eyes and what He's truly giving us on a daily basis, you're going to start praising Him more because now you're going to see so much more than you ever did. I mean, just me looking around now, I see more than I ever have. And that's how you start to look praise. And when you start to praise God for stuff like that, you're almost all, you're worshiping Him at the same time. Because you're thanking Him and you're worshiping Him for the beauty that He creates, that He gives us, that He allows us to see, that allows us to experience. God is truly an amazing God. And the fact that we can see His wonders is just truly amazing. The third strategy is prayer. 
Now, I know many of you, especially those who are watching, can begin sick of hearing about prayer. We've talked about prayer for months. But prayer is, we can't express enough how important prayer is. Prayer is submitted to one another in the fear of God. You have to know your place in this world, but you have to believe you are not a part of this world. We're in this world. We're stuck in the flesh. Our flesh wants to live in this world into the point of sin. And we act as to however Satan wants you to react. But if you know you're a part of this world, but you don't live in this world, meaning we're a part of the kingdom of God, our minds will sit in a different realm. Prayer brings interference to the, the enemy's plans, to his strategies. We all know prayer is you talking to God one-on-one. Now, to devise strategies or tactics when it comes to the spiritual realm, you have to talk to the master. He knows all. He knows what's going to happen before you even know what's going to happen. He knows what you're going to deal with when you open your eyes before you even deal with it. You have to ask God for guidance the moment you wake up to the moment we go to bed because we don't know what we're going to deal with. We need his strength. We need his wisdom. God, which way do I go? Because if I go this way, he knows there's hookers down there, there's gangsters waiting down there to shoot me up just because I happen to drive my down the street. But if I go this way, I'll be safe. There are so many scenarios for so many things that I can come up with all day. Prayer is important. We need him at all times. If you don't want to see his prayer, talk, talk to him. See this communicate with him. Pretend you're picking up the phone. There's been days where I really feel like I gotta talk to him. So I'll clean off my chair to my desk in my bedroom. And I'll literally turn it, move it so it's sitting within two feet in front of me. Ask the Holy Spirit or Jesus to sit there and I will literally stare at that chair like I'm talking to him because I need to let it out. And I will talk to him like I'm talking to Pastor or Chris, Dave, Erica, one of you. And I let out everything. Now I don't do that all the time, but there are days where you just got to let it out. So if you're frustrated with prayer because you think it's all high and mighty and holy, let's take it down a step. Prayer is nothing more than just talking. So don't be afraid to talk to God. He wants to hear us. Now, yes, he knows everything. He's got, he can read our minds. He can read our hearts. But he also delights himself when we take the time to talk to him. He would rather talk to us like he doesn't know what's going on, even though he does, than us dealing with our issues on a daily basis and ignoring him and not talking to him. He wants that relationship. Prayer is critical in each and every one of our lives. Fourth one is patience. Now, patience is extremely hard. Patience deals with prayer and everything that goes for life. People pray all day, they pray for hours, sometimes for minutes. They think that if I pray for 10 minutes, if I pray for 15, if I pray for an hour, God's going to talk to me. It doesn't work that way. One thing God had to teach me 
couple months, man, no, sometime early last year, was that I never gave him the time to talk back. I would constantly pour out. I would dump on God. But I never took the time to shut my mouth to let him speak back. And when I started now creating, yes, there's even time where it's hard to shut your mouth. Because all you want to do is let out, you want to let out, you want to let out, and you feel like you're going to feel better. In some ways you will, but if you still don't learn to shut your mouth, then let him be God, let him speak to you, then what is the point of praying? Because you're now you're, you're seeking God for all this, but you're not giving him the time to actually give you the answers. <laughs> Especially when we really need them. Especially if you're going through a situation where you have to make a very important, critical decision. You think if you could just pray real quick, God, I need an answer right now. Well, can you answer me? I'm going to do it. Well, you're asking for trouble. And any, any decision that you have to make has to be made like that. More times than not, it's really not worth it. I've come to learn the hard way. I have to make a decision. And it actually happened years ago where um, my boss wanted me to take over a decision of my job. But he needed to go right away. And I said, well, if I can't talk to my... I was married at the time. So I was like, if I can't talk to my wife, I'm not taking it. So he gave me the three days I asked for so I could talk to her. Because it just wouldn't affect me. It affects her. It affects my time. It affects my mentality because I'm going from a fairly easy area, which was at that point I was in NICU. So I was going from NICU to the ER, which was a whole different mentality, different time. They had different expectations on me. There were a lot of projects coming up. So I had to ask my wife for how she felt, if she felt it was going to be a benefit to us as a family, or if it was going to hinder us. So thankfully, he allowed me to do it. Unfortunately, I didn't know God at that point, so I didn't pray over it. But if I knew God back then, I couldn't imagine I wouldn't pray. But I also saw all the benefits and all the blessings that came rolling in after the fact. So knowing God now, looking back, I feel good knowing I made that decision because I believe that's where God needed me to be to prepare me for where I'm at today. And I have to thank God because if He didn't put me there, I would have never met that man. I would never have been pastor. I guarantee you I would be 16 under the ground. I guarantee you none of you would know me if I did not make that decision. But I don't believe I made that decision. I believe God guided me into it without knowing. If you don't know God, if you haven't accepted God, He still tries to work with us. That's how much He loves us. He loves us so much that even when we don't serve Him or believe in Him, He still tries to guide us down the right path. I mean, if I can sit here and really tell you my testimonies, and if any of you read the book I wrote, I lost track of how many times I should be dead. Whether I'm my own stupidity or other issues that happened in my life that should have killed me. God could have let me die, but obviously he had a bigger plan for me. So he protected me through all my stupidity. I could have drowned, I could have been headed, I could have been in a car accident. I could have broke my neck falling out of trees because I used to love climbing. God is powerful. And through everything we go through, as hard and as painful it is, we have to learn patience. I have been waiting for my future wife to walk through this door for what, five to seven years? How do you think I feel? She's coming. Amen. I receive it. <laughs> my sister says she's coming. 
Let me check the door. Thank you. <laughs> but you know why it took so long? It took years of God getting me out of my own way, of healing my heart to where it needs to be, so when she does come through, I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I won't hurt her. I won't be hurt again. He had to help me rebuild my trust in emails because of how I've been portrayed during these times in the past. It got to the point where something happened in my life that I finally gave up. I said, God, I'm done. I've had it. I give you, and I actually said this out of my own lips. I gave you full permission and authority to choose who it is, when I meet her, where, when, why, and how. And ever since then, somehow, some way, I've actually been able to keep it in his hands. Now, I keep asking the Holy Spirit, how can I do that in other areas of my life? Because I still haven't figured out how I did that. So somewhere, somewhere along the way, along the line, I have learned to let it go and be patient. Now, it's not easy. I have had my moments. I have had fits of depression over the last couple of years because, especially around holidays, I get lonely. I feel like peace of me is missing. Now, I know it's more important to be a part of God. I get that. But I was, I've always had that desire since I was a teenager to find the one I would spend the rest of my life with. That is not easy to be patient for. So, that's just one example. If you're waiting for a spouse, if you're waiting for a promotion, if you're waiting for children, look at Pastor Billy and Pastor Jose. How long have they patiently been waiting for God's promise for the child? That takes some serious faith to have patience for what you depending on what sex you are, for a child that you've been promised to numerous times again, for a job, for a house, anything that's seriously important to you, if you're willing to be patient, you let God be God, you guide you through it, you'll get there. But most importantly, in that process, you have to be patient with yourself. And at the same token, you have to ask God to prepare yourself for whatever you're requesting. In the beginning of all this, what if I made a prayer or God prepare me for the one you already have me for? So the last several years, God had me studying a lot about love, a lot about marriage, a lot about myself. Pastors started to teach me stuff that I should have learned as a teenager in a fatherly way. My father was never around. There's a reason for it, I'm going to go into it. It's probably my fault, my blood's fault, but we didn't understand back then. So now I'm learning certain things that I should be doing as a man for my spiritual father that I should have been doing 20 years ago, but nobody ever took the time to teach me. So now my spiritual father is teaching me how to take it to a whole new level with how to dress, how to prepare myself, how to do many things. Through all that, excuse me, it's not easy. And I still have to be patient with him because sometimes I'm so unstrangled. But I also know that what he's telling me is right. That I need to listen. That if I don't listen, I could easily ruin God's promises for me in me. Which means now my promises get delayed. It gets delayed. Patience is all, just as critical as worshiping God, praising God, praying or talking to God, patience is critical because in patience is where your faith and your hope 
is strengthened. Which brings us to number five. Unity in faith. We all know patience produces faith. But I'm talking about unity in faith for a particular reason. When we find ourselves together, when we wrap our arms like a chain, we become stronger than we are by ourselves. I probably fight Satan for so long on my own. <laughs> you probably fight Satan for so long on your own. Yeah, we pray to God, we worship to God, we do all that. But Satan is so stronger than we are. He's more conniving, he's more cunning than we are. As hard as we could fight with all the strategies and tactics I'm talking about or even more, we're still going to have our struggles. In the Bible, it states that he desires that we come together in fellowship for a reason. Jesus Christ himself is the one who initiated the church. Now, I know you're thinking, well, what about the synagogues that was there before? Well, if you think about it, the synagogue were teaching false doctrine because it was all about the power and what the high priest at that time could gain from the people they're discipling. And a true disciple is not going to be afraid of doing anything because they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. Back then, most of the Israelites were so scared to do certain things because they would get kicked out of synagogue, and for them, that was like the end all, be all. But when Jesus came around, he broke that mentality. He said, I can teach anywhere. I can teach you on a mountain. I can teach you in the forest. I can teach you on a boat. The church is wherever we go. The church is actually here. That's why he said he should destroy the church in three days and rebuild it. Yeah, he destroyed the physical church, the building, but then he rebuilt it in our hearts. Amen. That's why it talks about how we have to be careful and clean and maintain the sanctuary. It's not talking about the building, it's talking about our hearts. Unity and faith is all of us combined. Now, if you think, I, I really wish I could do this. I've been desiring to do this all day, but I know I can't because of the restrictions of the government, government put on us. Imagine if you have all the leaders up here holding hands. Now, you would think we're united, and we are in a way, but each of us only has so much strength in our hands. True unity is us interlocking our arms together, making a strong chain that even Satan himself would have a hard time breaking. Why that? Because I have something you have. I mean, me. You have something I need. And when we come together as one, like we're supposed to, because we're called the body of Christ, we become more powerful than Satan wishes we could be, or couldn't be. There's a reason why Satan tries to keep us divided. Because when we become one, united, especially in faith, we become dangerous to him. We become dangerous to the kingdom. We have been called to fellowship, to pray for one another, to intercede for, I mean, for one another. So if we stand next to each other, Arm in arm. I guarantee you, it will be so much harder for Satan to interfere. Because if we were all standing, and I'm in the middle, for example, and Satan tried to attack Emily, well, she's not alone. She's got Dave on one side, and she's got me on another. And that's just those two. That's not including the rest of, her, the rest of us around her. 
when we see she's going through signing, she has us physically there to help protect her, but now we're also interfering with God, I mean, with the enemy's plans because now we're interceding for her. We're not praying for her. We're doing what we're supposed to because she's not alone. We, we were never meant to be alone. I don't know why this planet thinks it's better to be alone. I've heard so many people say, oh, I don't need a man. I can do it all on my own. Go back to the beginning. Who do you think made a woman? It was God from us. You were meant to have us just as much we, as we were meant to have you. There's a reason for it. But there's people so selfish and prideful out there that think they can do it all on their own. You might survive for a little while on your own. But I promise you, in the end, you're going to fail, you're going to get hurt, and you're not going to like that one. So, Christians, my brothers and my sisters, we are supposed to unite as one. That's why we're called the body of Christ. So, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. Again, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. And the word of the Lord states, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, Speaking the truth in love, they grow grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Did you hear that? From who the whole body, meaning us as individuals, joined together and knit by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. So if we work together as one, with God as the head, or Jesus as the head, we can be unstoppable. Imagine, now imagine this. Thousands of, thousands of us, or even hundreds of us, however you want to look at it, lined up arm in arm going down the beach. They were all praying as one. Now imagine that tsunami you would send towards the enemy of hell. God showed it to me that way. Imagine our prayers being so powerful and united as one against the kingdom of hell. And Satan and all of his minions, his men, or demons. Imagine that tsunami that we could send towards him. Make him run through his. How powerful can we be? We all united as one. Think about it. What happened on the was it the day of Pentecost when all the apostles were praying together after Jesus died? That's when the Holy Spirit happened. Amen. That's when the Holy Spirit came down for the first time. That's when people after Jesus left started becoming saved because the power of the Holy Spirit started flowing through each of them, through the whole city, 
It wasn't just the one tongue. It says it states that each rumors heard what was going on in their own language. So imagine us today with hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of us. I looked it up. There's roughly 2.19 billion Christians in this world. And they're predicting by 2050, there's only going to be 2.9 billion Christians. Imagine if we all got together in unity as one, praying for something specific. Do you really think Satan could stand against that? Prayer has power. I've seen it in my own life. I'm sure if I started asking all of you, or even those watching, you guys have examples and testimonies of how prayer works. And I'll give you one. I prayed something specific that I told nobody. Not my daughters, not pastors, nobody. Because I want to know that I was seriously from God. And I asked God one day, because I kind of get pressured by people to start going out, put myself out there to go find my future wife. And I got fed up with it because I don't know what to do, where to go. So I started praying to God, what do you want for me to do? Do you want me to go out to the mall? Do you want to go to the park? Where do you want me to go? Or are you going to bring her here? Never told nobody. So one day we're doing a fast here at the church. And pastor prayed for everybody. God had a word for everybody. So I kind of felt depressed because I was the only one left out. So right before pastor started to close, pastor was standing next to me. So I get the little love hat. <laughs> and she said, God heard your prayer. Continue to be patient. He's bringing her here. Me and my future wife. So, this was only a couple years ago. But that also helped boost my faith, my hope, and trust in God because I knew He heard my prayer. I knew for a fact there's no way Pastor Millie knew what I asked because I never told her. I didn't tell Pastor Jose. I didn't tell Chris. I, I didn't tell, I didn't even tell him. I told my pillow what that desire was in that moment, and God answered me. Prayer works. Whether you believe it or not, it works. And I guarantee you, there's thousands of testimonies sitting in this room alone. It works. So to wrap it up, if you combine all these, worship, praise, prayer, with patience, unity, and faith, all these combined, and I'm sure there's many more tactics to use, and more strategies to use, but God will gain these five. It interrupts and interferes with the enemy's plans and his tactics that he has for us. Because we all know God is stronger, God is wiser, and God is more powerful than Satan can ever be. So if we seek the one, we worship and praise the one with patience and faith for the strategies we need to survive day by day, minute by minute, we will succeed. Always remembering when we praise God, it keeps Satan out of our minds. Because while we're praising God, we're forcing our bodies and our spirits to remember it's because of Him. It's not anything I did. I'm not being selfish. I'm not going to be prideful. I thank God because I have life. I have two beautiful daughters. We're all healthy. We have a home. Praising God keeps Satan out of your mind. And we all know from the last two weeks with the armor of God, one of the first things he tries to attack is your mind. Because if you get your mind, you're done. 
Worship keeps Satan out of your heart. Because when you worship God from your heart, what's there? God, the Holy Spirit. So if you're truly worshiping God the way we're supposed to, and it's coming from the heart, all that's filled in your heart is the Holy Spirit. The love, the gratitude, the thankfulness, and praise, and worship, and songs, and everything else that you have for God. So Satan has no room to get into your mind and heart. Through prayer, we continue to learn and grow. We learn to develop the tactics we need from God to go after the enemy when we're told to, or God asks us to intercede, or we ask each other to intercede for one another. Through prayer, we learn how to deal with life. We learn what God's will is. And many of us don't want to know God's will because we want our will. But the thing is, our will, let's put it this way, where has your will gotten you? My will got me in numerous trouble. And my will has got me in the grave. So I have to give up my will to God. Because he's the reason why I'm here. He's the reason why I got to meet my sisters. I got to meet my brothers. Some of you have come, I have become so close to one of my own family. That hurts. But that's the, some of that is their choice. I didn't want it. But you know what? I received what God gave me through you guys. And I love you guys dearly. And I, I would do anything for you guys. I pray for you guys. You guys ask me help. I'm here. That's what, forget being a Christian. That's what we should do, period. Is just a human being. But even more so, because we are Christians. Remember all things, patience. Waiting on God. It's not easy. It is painful to wait on God. Because there's many times you feel like He's just not talking to you. You feel like God gave up on you. Let me tell you something, especially those who are watching. God doesn't give up on you. The only time He gives up on you is when you give up on Him. And that takes a lot before that happens. And even then, He really doesn't want to give up on you. There's only one way that He really gives up on you. That's if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Because there's no nothing you can do that saves you from that. That's the one unforgivable sin. In case none of you knew that, especially those watching, there is one sin that cannot be forgiven. And that's if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Other than that, he doesn't give up on us. He will not give us he will not give up on us until our last breath. Even when he gives us over to our sins. Like the Bible states numerous times, he gave certain groups of people or people into their sin because that's what they wanted. But you know he still tried to seek their hearts to get them to change. I don't believe he really ever gives up on us. But once we bless him with the Holy Spirit, it's over. We have to have faith. Faith is believing in what you can't see. Faith is knowing that God has promised you something, whether it's something personal or in the Bible, basically saying salvation. Even if you use salvation alone as your faith, you're believing in God and you're trusting in Him. And that's what fuels us to keep going each and every day. Now we have to also remember, tactics isn't just fighting for ourselves or protecting ourselves. Strategizing and creating tactics is also to help protect others. 
The Bible states it's not just all about us. More times than not, it tells us that we're supposed to seek our brothers out for help. We pray for them, we intercede for them, we do what we gotta do to help them. We have to run a race, but we're not supposed to leave people behind. So, remember all things, we are together. Through all this, through all the tactics and strategies, remember you're not alone. Remember praise, worship, prayer, patience, and faith. But remember, you're not alone. You have brothers, you have sisters, you have Jesus Christ who died for us. You have the Holy Spirit that he willingly and freely gave to you as a mediator, as a guide, as so many things. And there's a reason why God is called the I Am. He is everything you need him to be. You need a doctor? He says to you, I'm a doctor. You need a, a lawyer, a counselor? I'm a lawyer, I'm a counselor. If I need my, if I need a father, I'm a father. He's anything you need. Not to say he's more than willing to give himself to you. But how willing are you willing to give yourself to him? He can protect you more than you can imagine. You just have to be willing to take a chance. That's where my walk started. I didn't fully understand what it meant to accept Jesus into your life. I wasn't mentally there to really understand it. But I took a chance. I accepted him into my life. Waited to see what he'd do. It took a lot of time because through all the mental anguish I was going through, he was at work. And I didn't see how he was working in my life until Pastor Jose brought into my attention, or our friend Billy brought into our attention. Because I was living it moment to moment, I couldn't see how it was getting better. But when people saw me periodically, they could see how I was going from here to here to here to here. But if you're doing it, it's like walking up the steps. All you are is just tired. You're tired walking up the steps. You don't see how high you're going. So, keep fighting the fight. Remember you're not alone. And we're always going to be here for you. So I thank you for watching tonight. I pray you learned something powerful. I pray you learned something that you really needed to hear. Because God is seeking you. And he's given us some amazing skills that we need to fight the enemy. So I heard God, the keys to how to use the armor, and now the tactics and strategies you need to put into place so that you can defend yourself and others around you. So may God bless you. It's going to see you. Hopefully you'll be soon or 